1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, I promise you're in the right place because you know you are. Shout out to all of our hundreds of thousands of listeners around the world. We try to bring you great content, relevant ideas for your business and your future. So let's get started. The buzz on the street today, leader of the pack. Now imagine... Back to 1964, I'm channeling the Shangri-La song. It reached number one on the pop charts. There was a motorcycle going vroom, vroom in the background. Leader of the pack. I won't sing it. Okay, now what does this have to do with business and the Internet of Things? Give me a second here. You've heard of software as a service, S-A-A-S, where instead of buying and installing software on your own hardware, you get it over the Internet. Great idea. Is it new? Well, maybe it is to you, but the answer is no. Is it time for something new? new to come down the pike? Well, yes, and it's called X-A-A-S, and the X stands for everything. Let me give you a little background. Within, With the telecommunications industry offering something as a service for more than 100 years, that's right, it has been around a long time before we even had that terminology, telcos are now positioned as leaders in the movement to offer everything as a service. Now think of telcos, think of telecommunications, think of telephone service, same old, same old, not anymore. What they're offering includes software It includes communications. It includes infrastructure. It includes data and even platforms. That's a lot. So everything as a service is coming into its own. The pressing question for those of you in the business community all over the world is, where is this trend going? Is it fast? Is it moving? Is it picking up steam? Will X-A-A-S, and my panelists will tell me how to pronounce that in a minute. I'll call it ZAS just for for exasperation reasons. Will ZAS benefit your company? Will it benefit your industry? What in the heck will it do for you? But maybe the most important question is, will your business be changed forever? We're talking IoT here. That's the theme of our show. We have three really interesting and very savvy panelists. Let me just tell you who they are before I introduce them directly. We're welcoming today Craig Bachman, B A C H. M-A-N-N, if you want to look him up, Senior Director of the Open Digital Every, Internet of Everything Program for the TM Forum. TM Forum is the operative word here, I have to remember that, and it's TM Forum Org on Twitter. We're also welcoming Dave Dugal, D-U-G-G-A-L, founder of Enterprise Web, that's one word, and rounding out our panel today is Angela Russell Wikica, the Global Account Director for Verizon at SAP, and now let's get started. I'm going to introduce the quote That Craig Bachman has sent us, and then Craig will tell us how he picked it and how it relates to our topic. So the quote is from Yogi Berra, who seems to be one of the most frequently quoted people on all of our shows. I think running second to Peter F. Drucker. Okay. Uh, Yogi Berra, original name Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra, 1925 to 2015, was an American professional baseball catcher, manager, and coach who played 19 seasons in Major League Baseball, all but the last four. Yay, the New York Yankees. I'm here in New York. an 18-time All-Star and 10-time World Series champion as a player. Uh, Interestingly enough, he was one of only five players to win the American League Most Valuable Player Award three times. Here's what's so special about Yogi Berra. He quit school after the eighth grade, and he was known for his malapropisms. Those are things that kind of come out sounding funny that ended up being very paradoxical quotes like, it ain't over till it's over, while he was speaking to reporters. Actually, Yogi Berra once said, I really didn't say everything I said. There you go. So here's the quote Craig has selected from the vast lore of Yogi Berra. Quote, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. Oh, my goodness. Craig Bachman, how are you?
2: I'm well. How are you doing, Bonnie?
0: I'm great. Thanks for joining us. I, You know, it's always a treat to see these Yogi Bear quotes, Greg. They just make you smile, and they actually make sense in a way. What do you think?
2: Yeah, in a wacky way, I'll tell you. I grew up in New York City, and, of course, Yogi was a legend. And I use this quote, though, all the time in uh, today's world. I think most folks under a certain age don't know who Yogi is, and they look quizzical about this. But um, I think it, it, it's really relevant these days because especially with the IoT, uh, and we actually call it inside the forum uh, Internet of Everything. So okay. we prefer that, I think, even over your Zass <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, uh, thing. But, the uh, you know, what this means is new jobs, new careers, because uh, most of the things that are going to be connected haven't been invented yet. And, you know, the, the idea of that, you're making predictions about things that aren't, it, there's no apparent killer app. Yeah, there's big breakthrough things like Pokemon Go's and, Connected socks and all of these things, but there's uh, as you go forward, it's really a long tail of things, and uh, it's really interesting as as folks try to do a managed rollout in this, but it's not. It's it's really about adapting and working together uh, in these digital services. So, so I, I use the yogi quote a lot to to re reground everyone in this.
0: Uh, and interesting use of the word, the term reground. I'm thinking of a ground ball, which he—I don't know—is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not a big baseball fan, Craig.
2: <laughs> That's a good thing.
0: Oh, good. Okay. All right. Score one for the little kid. <clears throat> I grew up uh, on Long Island, by the way. Um, not a big baseball fan, just an observer of sports and other things. But uh, where were—where did you grow up in New York, in the city?
2: Yeah, around Manhattan, and actually, time in each of the boroughs.
0: Okay, well, you, you know as, where as the well Mackinrose, you, you know where the Mackinrose were in Douglaston Manor, right? I, I went to PS98, which was the public school next to the Douglaston Railroad Station, so I was involved in some of the quote-unquote early culture of the Douglaston Mana group, group down there. They weren't, but some of their neighbors were my classmates, so that's my that's my non-claim to fame. Craig Bachman, pleasure to have you on. Thank you, and thanks for correcting me. I won't say Zass. I won't say zassy. Zass. We'll just say everything is a service. By the way, I looked up everything is a service on Twitter, and I couldn't find a hashtag for it, so I think we're going to have to create one. Okay, Craig, I'm going to leave that to you after the show. And now let's turn to our second panelist, Dave Dugal, D-U-G-G-A-L, as I said, founder of Enterprise Web. And Dave has selected a very apt quote here. It's one we frequently hear. I think this is the third runner-up for most frequently quoted from William Gibson. I always think of William Gibson as, I don't know, a poet or something. I'm thinking of Gibson greeting cards, but actually, he was born in 1948. He's still with us. And he's an American and Canadian speculative fiction writer and essayist credited with pioneering the science fiction subgenre known as, wait for it, cyberpunk. He notably coined the term cyberspace. Now you know where it came from. Thank you, William Ford Gibson, in his short story Burning Chrome back in 1982. That was a long time ago. And he later popularized it in his acclaimed debut novel, Neuromancer, N-E-U-R-O-M-A-N-C-E-R, 1984. That's all I'll say about him. And here's the quote, and we love this one, Dave. The future is already here. It's just not evenly destroyed. Dave Dugal, welcome. How are you? Hey, excellent,
3: Bonnie. Thank you very much. I'm um, glad to be on the program with you.
0: We are too. Talk to me. Are you a, a big follower of Gibson? And how did you pick that quote for today?
3: Uh, you know, I was a big sci-fi reader, particularly as, a, as a, when I was a younger man. Now, as a, a business guy, <coughs> I, I must confess I get a little bit less time to read. Uh, by the time I finish, you know, ungluing my eyes from my computer, um, I, you know, I really want to take the reading glasses off. Uh, but I used to read a lot of sci-fi from you know, uh, you know, uh, from William Gibson to Heinlein and Stanislaw Lem and all other folks like that. But I like, I like, and of course, it's it's hard not to be attracted uh, to the you know guy who's uh, the progenitor of cyberpunk and you know predicted hacking and actually conceived things like the matrix and a lot of these other ideas yeah were written about 30 plus years ago, right? And that's yeah, really exciting. I think that's, sometimes we always go back to the future and I think that's what is captured in this quote is, you know, the future is here, but it's not equally distributed. It's because the future is created in the present, right? We don't mm-hmm. see it. We don't necessarily all, just like we don't see our nails grow, right? We don't see our hairs grow, our hair grow, but, we, but it's happening and all of a sudden you realize it happened. And I mean, if you could see it happen, you know, we wouldn't call it disruption. And I think that's sort of the uh, emblematic of the time we live Live in is that you know things seem very disruptive, things that appear like they're coming out of the blue, but we a- actually it's been a part, it's been part of a progress of hundred years of telecommunications, hundred years of computer science, uh, you know, fifty years of computer science from Turing on forward, and or maybe actually 70 years now uh, of computer science, mm-hmm. and uh, so so we've, we're feeling these effects, um, and they feel like dramatic breaks from the past because uh, they're being achieved today. Uh, they're in our moment, but they're things that uh, essentially have been evolving behind the scenes and are just being realized. And I think that's that's happening with the Internet of everything, everything as a service, the evolution of the telecom network from, you know, a uh, voice service, you know, that was intermediated by, you know, um, you, know uh, you know, people that used to actually, of course, switchboard operators that used to, you know, mediate our phone calls and make our connections to now something that's incredibly distributed and highly dynamic. Uh, and I think uh, that's the era we live in.
0: Thank you. Very very interesting comments, and and interestingly enough, we have several series here on Game Changers Radio, Dave, that start with the word future. This is Internet of Things, but we have the future of the future with Game Changers. We have the future of – what do we have? We have the future of business. We have the future of cars. But And, and probably what, there will be more. So one day, Dave, I sat down and I said, well, if I'm going to be introducing shows or series that start with the word future, I'd better define the future. So I thought about it and I thought, well, when I end the sentence with a period, that's where the future was. And when I start talking again, it's then the past. So that's
4: how I define <laughs> it.
0: It's it's right after the end of that that was it. That was the future before, before I said it, it was the future and now it's in the past. And that's how fleeting it is. And your comments about the, uh, about the longevity and, and the derivation and the origin going back into the era of William Gibson. And he's still with us, which I, I find very gratifying because he's a boomer like me. I won't tell you that we share a same birth year because I won't say that live on the radio, but maybe we do. So, you know, we've been around and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And let me bring on our third panelist. She is waiting patiently. And she is Angela Russell Rikika, and she's with SAP. And Angela has brought us a quote from a recent music legend who passed recently passed away, April 21st, 2016, goes down in history as the day Prince Rogers Nelson left us. Anybody who has literally been hiding under a rock, Prince, as he was known, one of his few names, many names rather, was an American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, and actor. He was a music innovator. Known for his eclectic work, his flamboyant stage presence, that great hair, those wonderful clothes, those big sleeves, those fabulous sets, extravagant dress, and makeup. Yes, he was very good. He's better at makeup than I am, and his wide vocal range. And his styles included funk, rock, R&B, new wave, soul, psychedelia, and pop. And he is one of the best-selling artists of all time with over 100 million records sold. He won seven Grammys, a Golden Globe Award, and an Academy Award for the film Purple Rain. Oh, my goodness. We could spend the whole show talking about him. Here's the quote Angela found. And it was hard for me to find it because it's not in a lot of places, But it's a beautiful quote. Prince said, Everybody's talented at something, and that's what makes the world go round, and we all need each other. Angela, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today?
4: I'm doing well. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm glad to be here with you and Dave and Craig.
0: We are delighted to have you. And anything Prince is is cool beans. It's nostalgic. It's why did he leave us so quickly and so soon, way too soon. So, Angela, tell me, how does this quote, Everybody's Talented at Something and We All Need Each Other, I think those are the key points. How does that relate to our topic? We're talking about Internet of Things. We're talking about the future. We're talking about everything as a service. And telcos, bring it all together for me.
4: Well, let me first say I, I love the quote because Here's this guy who was so talented at so many things. You talked about the range of his artistic ability and um and what he brought to the world and you know he, he he could have um he could have spent his time thinking about how much more talented he was than all of the rest of us. But instead, he he focused on, you know, the contributions that we all can make and um, you know, a, a lot of his life um was expressed through his music, but there was a lot in it about you know freedom and creativity and civil rights, um, and so I think he's a, he's a modern icon. So um, with with that in mind, I I thought the quote fit in this context because the Internet of Things, you know, there, there's no sort of one solution or solution provider or you know one player who's going to come up with the uh, you know what used to be called uh, the magic application, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's really about people working together. So, you know, somebody is really good at understanding a certain process. Somebody is really good at building a, a certain kind of device. But, but is, the, is the company that builds, you know, the new interconnected traffic light or interconnected MRI machine, are they the same one that's going to build the most powerful analytics software? Are they the same one that's going to understand you know, um, how to deliver um, a process using that machine. I think, you know, the Internet of Things is really bringing to light the fact that all these specializations and all these different kinds of devices and all these different kinds of users have to have ways to work together And um, the old world where we sort of, you know, created like insular organizations that defined how we were going to work together is is fading away, and the new world is, you know, we're going to define some standards, and we're going to publish some, you know, uh, interfaces, and we're going to let people grab our stuff, our data, our access um, with security, with permission, um, and use it in creative ways. And, um, you know, th- those folks who know what the new business model is going to be um, don't have to be the same folks who know how-, know how to create the machine, and those folks who know how to create the machine don't have to be the same ones who know how to make sense of the big data that it creates. Um, somehow um, the developer community is going to bring together all these diverse assets. Interesting. I think
0: I'm hearing a thread here, Angela. I think I'm hearing the implication of collaboration, the word co-innovation, the word cooperation. Are we talking about getting along together, playing well in the sandbox? Everybody brings their specialty or their ideas for the future together and makes it happen together. Is
4: that where we're going? Absolutely. And, And, you know, we've already seen so many examples of this in the world of the Internet of Things. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, it builds, it builds upon itself. You know, the more people innovate and create, the more people are inspired to innovate and create, and the more um, that, that world of collaborators uh, gets bigger. Thank you very much, Angela. Pleasure to have you on the show.
0: And now let's circle back to Craig Bachman. I know Craig is waiting just impatiently to tell me because he knows what's coming up. What's in your cup today, Craig? Where are you calling from, and what are you drinking right now? If it inspires you, if not, what will you be drinking later after the show to celebrate, Craig Bachman?
2: Uh, It's it's still early here, uh, right outside of Aspen, uh, Colorado, so we're still in coffee mode. we're drinking the uh rock coffee uh, rock canyon coffee uh this is roasted locally and i find it's really great it's uh it's a dark roast chocolatey with a caramel finish i mean kind of oh. a uh, quasi foodie coffee thing which uh since i travel so much uh it's definitely a guilty pleasure back here at home it's called the mountain espresso for anyone that's interested in it but uh uh, it's got, uh, quote, all of the buzz and none of, none of the bitterness, which is important stuff to folks here in Colorado.
0: <laughs> wow. I like that, a foodie kind of thing. And I love, what was that, a satiny something and a caramel finish? Do you advertise for them? That was beautiful, Craig. That was really cool. Go- that was one of the most lyrical descriptions of a beverage, and I've heard thousands of them on these shows. That was one of our most lyrical expressions and interpretations of a beverage. I think we should get you signed up as their spokesperson, this foodie thing. What do you think? You looking uh, for another job?
2: <laughs> nah, no, not quite. There's enough to do in this everything part.
0: <laughs> well, keep doing that. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. I'm not going to ask Dave Dugal to top that, but Dave, where are you calling from and what gets you going in the morning or any time of day? What's in your cup?
3: I am calling in from the beautiful Adirondacks of upstate New York, where I'm very happy to reside. Um, feels very uh, subversive to sort of uh, run a, a software company uh, from upstate New York because uh, I get to keep my windows open and, you know, have, you know, have lakes around me and mountains, etc. But I drink, uh, actually, I'm, it, so, it sounds like I'm actually uh, have something simpatico with Craig here because I, I, I actually really like my coffee to have a nice uh, no-bitterness, I like a mm-hmm. chicory uh, coffee, so I drink. If you ever been to New Orleans, uh, New Orleans, and like cafe, have been Cafe Du Monde, and you get that chicory type coffee um, that they're famous mm-hmm. for. That's what I have. I have uh, some chicory coffee, but I put here's my little extra touch. I actually put a teaspoon uh, teaspoon of a natural fudge into my coffee every morning, and that, uh, is, that's that's my little uh, poor man's mocha and uh, is that how to do
0: everything. it I have been unsuccessful making mocha at home even with my Nespresso and formerly with my Keurig you put a little bit of fudge into the coffee seriously put, it's
3: a natural natural fudge so it's not a corn syrup one it's like a real you know a natural fudge and actually just it's like really like a half a teaspoon and you know with the little you know, with the half and half that I put in there it gives you know a little creaminess comes out of that and it just gives it a, sort of a chocolate uh, you know uh, mellow and that uh, the is also sort of a mellowing uh, agent in the coffee. Uh, so together that just you know, makes the morning nice.
0: Very, by the way, uh, Ira Burke at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series, Internet of Things with Game Changers. Ira, we're in season three and I'm expecting you to renew for season four. Ira said, uh, he's listening to the show. He's tweeting and he said, this panel could do an entire episode on coffee. <laughs> he's, lo- he's loving it. Yeah, we'll get to you everything delighted. as a service, Ira. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's what I'll do. I'll get, get the thousand or so of two, three thousand people who've been on five years of a 23 Game Changer series and we'll just do a show on what's in your cup today. That would be fun. I was drinking a simple blend, two parts decaf and three parts calf. Thank you very much. Okay, Angela, we have not forgotten you. Angela, where are you? And what are you drinking today?
4: Well, I'm calling from New Jersey. We have a worse reputation than we deserve. Let me just say that. Um, In terms of what's in my cup, you know, this question brought me back to about 20 years ago when I had the uh, wonderful experience of going to Greece on vacation, and we've probably all dreamed of that if we haven't done it. um, I'd love to go back, but one thing I remember there, and I don't know why we don't have it here, is the iced coffee float. So they just make a nice, simple iced coffee and they'd throw in a scoop of ice cream, just like you all have done with your root beer. They would do it with an iced coffee, and it seems so obvious. It's cream, it's sugar, it's deliciousness. It melts right into your coffee, and um, it's lovely to drink it while you're sitting in a cafe, uh, watching people haul in their fish catch and uh, buy trinkets at the, uh, the tourist shops. Lyrical. We, we
0: absolutely, this is, this is almost like a poetry session about what people are doing and where. Love it. Thank you very much. And the three of you are newcomers to Game Changers. You don't know me. I know a little bit about you now, but they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. Today is Thursday. It's a double header day. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern today with a live episode of Think Big Work Small with Game Changers. So no caffeine for me until later in the day when it's probably too late. So I have a cool, clear glass of cool, clear water from a Brita filter. And I have a colorful orange bend flex straw. Remember the flex straws, everybody, where it kind of bends with a little... Yeah, we know that. You don't have to break it. It bends. Uh, And that is in 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 delight because the sun is here. I understand we had a small tornado on Long Island last night. Knocked out power, knocked out trees. We didn't have it here where I am. So I'm hoping that the beautiful weather holds up because here we are in the sunshine. I'm jealous of you, Dave, being in the Adirondacks and being able to open your windows and not hear noise like I do. What can I say? So we are talking very seriously today about telcos and the IoT Internet of Things, and our focus is on the future of everything as a service. Why are telcos in particular the leaders of the pack, as I open with the, with the title of a song from the Shangri-Las back in 1964, which I suspect a couple of my panelists may actually remember, or they heard it in the womb, what can I say? We're going to explore that. What is everything as a service? What does it mean to your business? How fast-moving is this trend? What will it do to change which industries? Who's going to jump into the pool or in the sandbox and collaborate and co-innovate on this to make it fantastic? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to Graham at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, Let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers.
0: Indeed, and we're back. We're talking today with Craig Bachman and Dave Dugal and Angela Russell-Rikika, and we are talking about the leader of the pack. What makes telcos, telecommunications company, so special in terms of evolving from SaaS to everything as a service? And what's included in the everything? What does it mean to your business, your company, your industry, and the future of all of us? We're going to start the roundtable with Craig Bachman at TM4 forum. And Craig sent me a lot of interesting notes. Let's start with the following. He says, the IoT Internet of Things is a roadmap of challenges. And he adds, there is no end state business mode, tech solution or market offer. As the IoT evolves at a pace that connects people, places and things at a rate few can forecast with certainty. But telcos have been providing digital services for decades. Yay, telcos. Craig Bachman. Why don't you give us your overview on what this all means to our topic?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, so I, the the telcos, and even calling them that is is an interesting thing because they're so much more than that uh, in today's world. They're one of the few hundred-year-old industries that are still. Growing and thriving when you think about the mobile services and now all of the digital services that reside on mobile services and beyond as, as the telcos provide data processing, storage and beyond. Uh, all of this has positioned, uh, this group of ca- communication service providers into digital service providers. And now, as it goes forward into really multi-sided business platforms as they expose services and create marketplaces for all of this, this is critical for the internet of things, internet of everything. Uh, when you think about what everyone else has said that it, there really are no killer apps there's really and there's no highly managed rollout here it's not a build and end state machine and then everybody just knows what to do uh there are every day new business model innovations new technical innovations new market innovations so we call this a roadmap of challenges. So it's it's ha- how do you manage your way through all of this? And and clearly, uh, what Angela and Dave also offered up is that this is done through collaboration uh, as we go forward. And and uh, telcos are really uh, key stakeholders at this collaboration table.
0: Are they aware of this? Are they, are the leaders of telcos, just a quick question, uh, Craig, are they sitting there and licking their lips and rubbing their hands and saying, yeah, we've got it, we're in, we're the ones, we're the leaders, they're going to come to us for ideas, they're going to come to us to collaboration, our stocks will rise, we're going to do great. Are they aware of this or are we just talking about this academically today?
2: No, I think they they're quite aware that they're a key player in this, right? Uh, without connectivity, none of this would be happening. Without the ability to move data and voice and media and sensor data and all of this and manage assets, none of this would happen. On the other side, they are keenly aware that they're not the, elf, you know, the lone wolf in this and managing this that they do have to work with a series of ecosystems, whether it's industry or other platforms uh, that provide different services like location services and so on. So I think uh, they're highly aware that the world has changed and uh, while you know things like M2M have shown 13, 15% growth uh, in itself is about a $50 billion market, uh, which is small compared to the three trillion that the overall communication market mm-hmm. is, then what happens is, uh, they realize that this new world is made up of, of collaboration across the ecosystem. So, so they're approaching this very differently than I think they have over the last 100 years.
0: Thank you very much. We'll get back to that later. Dave Dugal, love to get your whatever you want to put on the table, two cents or ten bucks worth And what do you think about what Craig just proposed here?
3: Well, I'm prone to uh, agree with Craig only because you know uh, we both work together in the team forum and uh, we both uh, promote related ideas uh, on the future of the you know uh, telecom industry or of communication service providers. Uh, and the only thing I would actually—it's not really uh, I wouldn't contradict him so much as I, I might say—as far as there being no killer app. I think there's no killer individual or discrete application because the, the, uh, I think that but the killer app is actually the network itself, right? The platform, the network has become a platform, right? So if you look at the telecommunications industry, you know, we're so far beyond voice, right? It's enabling everything from Facebook to, you know, Uber, from Skype to, uh, you know, Snapchat and, you know, uh, Internet of things to cloud, right? All of those things are being enabled by the telecommunications infrastructure that we have today. So the ability for the, I think the telecoms, what we used to call telecoms, now mm-hmm. all recognize that they it's much more than just carrying uh, bits over their pipes, that there's actually opportunities. And actually, I think that Angela sort of described it really nicely when she was uh, talking about this so there's notion of this ecosystems and that no one party will dominate. I mean, I think there will be dominant players, but I think mm-hmm. what, you, what we're actually saying is that the telecom network will be this, this facility, this platform, this environment, where innovators can be uh, innovators can offer products, and they can be uh, assembled; they're compo- uh, com, you know, uh, composed into bigger solutions, and that they can be very highly dynamic. So, I, I think we uh, completely agree. I just think that they, you almost have to look at the telecom network differently. It itself is the platform. It's sort of the network as a service, the network as a, a place where you can do work, not just take calls, not just go online.
0: Very good point. Thank you very much. Angela, we're, we were evoking you. We were channeling you. Why don't you chime in here?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I, I think we're all fascinated by, by, you know, what it takes to develop an ecosystem like this. And I think that's one of the challenges that the telcos recognize. You know, I've worked with a couple dozen telcos in, in the past few years um, around this area of Internet of Things And um, it's easy for them to get distracted by the diversity of the IoT, right? To have, you know, meeting after meeting about different types of devices and use cases and industries and who's going to spend money and where they're going to spend it and when they're going to spend it. Um, But I think that the truth is that last comment that Dave made is, right, they've kind of evolved from that level of distraction a few years ago to saying, hey, I can be the hub of an ecosystem where I provide a place for creative people to come to link up with each other um, without necessarily knowing each other, right, and to to work together. Um, And they're trying to figure out what it takes to scale that and to do it in a secure way and to do it in a smart way Um, and to serve, you know, both the needs of the developers and the end users who who stand to benefit.
0: Thank you very much. Good comments. Craig, I'm going to circle back to you. Anything you want to say about what your co-panelists Dave and Angela added?
2: Yeah, boy, I'll um, arm wrestle Dave on the uh, the app. <laughs> but go ahead. We've never yeah. had
0: arm wrestling here on Game Changers. I'd love to. I'd love to host yeah. that one. Go, go
2: ahead, Craig. Uh, the, the, no, but the, I think what what the the key challenge and why we call it a roadmap of challenges is is, is what uh, everyone has been talking about is is that. This, there needs to be a platform for innovation and to adopt and figure this stuff out uh, Internet of things means everything from smart socks to <laughs> smart cities and beyond and uh the telcos I think have have really figured out that they need to be an innovation platform uh for all of this and I think with the collaboration when you think about the iot and what it means for the companies that are listening into this uh, and what the telcos mean to this is that there's a new set of partnerships, a new set of ecosystems that uh, involves companies both as suppliers and as buyers. On both sides. So it's really a two-sided, uh, business model as well as a two-sided technology model. And I think this is very exciting for folks that have seen telcos as kind of just connectivity pipe people. And now, now that has changed and really changes its relationships on the buyer and the seller side.
0: Thank you very much. Good opening topic for our roundtable. And now let me look at some notes here from Dave Dugall at Enterprise Web. Dave, interesting things here. heres I'm just going to read something, a statement of fact, I think, that will boggle the minds of our listeners. Then I'm going to do- jump into where well, you have an interesting example here of robots as a service. But you said the number of connected things, things with a capital T, is exploding into the billions of far exceeding the number of humans on the planet. Wow. So just a quick question, Dave. Does that mean there'll be uh, 1.2 things for each person or 9.7 things? Remember we used to say the average American family had, what, 2.175 children and 1.3 cars in every garage and 14 (coughs) chickens in every pot? Are we talking about that? Just answer that quickly. Then I want to move to something else in your notes
3: here. Oh absolutely, I think you know they're uh you know, conservative. i mean you see numbers as into the fifty billion, but uh, I think more conservatively you see numbers in the twenty billion, but no matter that's it's still you know two three plus x you know times the number of humans on the planet in the next couple of years, and so uh in it, what it, it's actually even a bigger concept concept than that because what we're talking about is going from a, a universe where software was contained to to computers that we recognized, right? They were our desktops, mainframes, our mobile phones, et cetera, right? And that's how we communicated things. We integrated systems, databases, and applications. And now what we're talking about is these things, which could be, you know, literally anything from, uh, I guess you could put a sensor in a golf ball, right, and track Mm -hmm. its trajectory and where it lands and put a GPS on it and everything like that, to uh, an industrial uh, equipment right and uh, assets, right So the largest companies in the world have tremendous oh, actually largest not only largest industrial manufacturers, but also you know even hospitals have problems tracking things like hospital beds um, and uh, medical devices. How do we track all those things in their locations? Okay. And it's not even just tracking those things and the, the data that those things might be collecting. Those things are also potentially collecting information about the environment in which they're in. So uh, when we talk about the Internet of Things, what we're really talking about is almost the virtualization, right? You know, people are very familiar with uh, 3D virtualization now, right? Interactive virtual reality games and stuff like that. And the Internet of Things and the spread of low-cost sensors, chips, devices, low-cost, you know, communications technology uh, is enabling almost to virtualize our planet, right? I mean, that's what's enabling uh, autonomous vehicles, right? They can go down the road because they can sense the road, right? They can sense things, obstacles in their way. So this, this next level, right, this, this next step in uh, computing is um, sort of the, the union of the physical world and the virtual world. And it, it, it opens up both ex- really exciting futures as well as, as been notably mentioned, some scary futures potentially as well. But it's nonetheless very interesting and it's very timely.
0: Thank you and uh, terrific. And I would like you to just dabble here for a moment on robots as a service. I love that because we started out talking about everything as a service, which I ineptly tried to label ZAS. I still like that, by the way, Craig. I like the way that sounds. I like, I drive a Z, so anything with a Z sound is very appealing to me. <laughs> but, but I digress. Um, robots as a service. What is robots as a service? Dave, why don't you put that out on the table and then we'll have Angela and Craig comment. Great. So,
3: uh, robots as a service was a, Uh, industry collaboration that we did with uh, TWI, which is one of the leading uh, facilities in Europe for, uh, Best practices in industrial manufacturing, and they have uh, large facilities where they actually have what are called robot cells, which are groups of robots doing automated, you know, uh, you know, cutting things, joining things, et cetera, um, and very, very sophisticated, very expensive equipment. Uh, working with them and their facilities, as well as a company called Infosim, which uh, does uh, sort of cloud-based analytics specifically to the telecom industry. And most, mostly focused on the uh, telecom industry, and the team forum itself, which, where uh, Craig uh, works for. Uh, they actually this project won an award for actually best new cat, what they call a catalyst project, this industry collaboration. And what we demonstrated was so here's a fundamental issue: is um, these robot cells are usually controlled right at what they call the machine head, right at the machine. You physically send a human being. A, a human being goes to service these things, uh, reconfigure these things, uh, resupply them, et cetera, per machine. And you can imagine some of these facilities are huge. Actually, right now, uh, Tesla is talking about building one of the world's largest buildings. It's going to be uh, humanless, no humans in this factory. It's going to be fully automated. Oh. Uh, <laughs> again, both interesting and scary. Uh, but uh, but the idea is that's a lot of manual effort. If you're going to build the, do this automation, what you would really like to do, just like we do elsewhere, is to actually control that remotely, right? You'd like to have those robots have an interface that allows you to communicate with them, and then be able to uh, connect that interface to uh, enterprise systems, cloud-based systems, analytic systems, etc., so that you could actually place remote orders. So I could go online using TMF standards. This is what we demonstrated. We use TMF standards. They have these open APIs. So the TMFs open APIs, we use, we use those standards to connect with these robots, to uh, activate robots, configure the robots, and place orders uh, for, thing, uh, for those things, robots to actually uh, deliver all remotely through the cloud. And that is a, a is a pretty interesting concept, because if I uh, a couple of things, a, what I've done is saved tremendous amount of cost because the downtime for robots is considered somewhere between ten to twenty five percent. And when you're talking about each robot cost about a million or so dollars, you're talking about billions of dollars across the world being spent that's lost on just maintenance and configuration of robots. And if we could do that remotely, we could sort of liberate that money, right? Mm -hmm. And B, we're creating a new future where if I, as let's say a business person, could place an order for something that I want through, uh, through an interface to some factories around the world, it creates this opportunity for something called mass customization. Instead of factories knocking off 10,000, 100,000, million of a single thing, I could it's, it now introduces the potential that I can do one-off orders, one-off manufacturing, that I could actually get a very sophisticated part made that would be beyond my ability to make in my home or office. I can have that made remotely in a re- relatively short or, uh, time frame at a relatively reasonable cost. In a way that's never been available in history before.
0: Hmm. Sounds interesting, sounds provocative, sounds exciting, and I'd love to get Angela and Craig to chime in. Angela, are you amazed and surprised by this? Or are you saying, yeah, I already
4: knew that? What's your thought? Um, no, I'm 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 actually not amazed and surprised. You know, I, I've seen um, I've seen everything from use cases involving something as simple as a Fitbit on your wrist to something as complex as a machine the size of a house that you drive up to a mountain and turn it on and and you know, basically create a mine right for copper or something. Um, I, you know, people want to do these things remotely for so many different reasons: efficiency and cost and timeliness. And safety. Um, so, so I think um, this example of robot as a service is interesting. I'll, I'll throw out there that I think the complexity of this space gets overwhelming. So, I, I've created a little working model for myself, and I'll just uh, challenge your listeners. Maybe somebody can break my model and come up to come up with something that doesn't fit this model. I'd love to hear about that. Um, I think that there's like four categories of, of things that we're thinking about. One is sensors, things that you know, monitor your blood pressure or the temperature or the humidity. One is an actuator. This is a thing that you use to remote control something. So if I can turn it on, on and off my light or my security system from my cell phone, I've used an actuator. Um, another one is a meter, how much of a resource has been used, who used it, how much is left, you know, how much gas is left in the tank, When am I going to need to refill um, and then the, a camera. I put a camera as its own category. It's of course a type of sensor, but it, it creates a whole different type of data and takes a whole different type of bandwidth, whole different type of analytics. Um, so I think cameras. So when I think about Dave's robot as a service, I think it's got all those four in one. Um, it, it, it's probably a, a machine with all those different things. And that if we knew how to, you know, create the models around the Internet of Things to capture the capabilities of all four of those, um, we'd probably have a lot of the world covered.
0: Wow, okay, very provocative, I like that. And let's get Craig Bachman in here. Craig, thoughts on what Dave yeah. started and what Angela added?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a good model. I think that the, uh, how do you, skip, uh, scale these things is is a key point, so again, at my example of the robot as a services'm i 'm wearing three d printed glass frames uh, on this uh, on really this, uh, show. are uh, they comfortable no are, are
0: they are they smooth craig are they comfortable they
2: 're smooth they're they're perfect they are probably better than uh human crafted although You might get some letters about that or emails about that or tweets about that. But the the 3D glasses thing, I think, just shows that this really is almost anything can be turned into a service or robotics as a service type of thing. I think where the telcos sit in this is that the telcos have always been set up for scale. And they are the scaling opportunity, the scaling platform uh, for all of this. And, and Dave's project was a very successful, award-winning project. And I think, you know, the key thing here is the telcos and the inclusion of agreed-upon standards to help pull these things together, not standards that lock in things, but standards that really enable innovation like Dave's. Dave described
0: very interesting Dave I'm going to let you briefly wrap this up because I want to make sure we answer the question I posed at the top how fast is this trend what industries in business will it impact what will be changed forever so Dave why don't you just wrap this up I'm going to pick up one topic from Angela and then we're going to do our predictions round and that's when we'll answer these questions so go ahead Dave yeah,
3: so I, I, I think you know there's uh, you know uh, I was gonna say, saying that the so the the future is uh, not as close as some say but it's sooner than you think um, which is sort of a Yogi Berra-ism right it, and mm-hmm. so it lets me get out of this answering this specifically actually which is really nice um, <laughs> but uh, you know uh, again the technology he says, is here the standards are emerging um, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of activity from uh, I work with SAP in the Industrial Internet Consortium actually SAP is a charter member of the Industrial Internet Consortium uh, I sit and lead um, the co-chair of a group called the Integration and Orchestration Group um, uh, team in the Industrial Internet Consortium, as well as participating now in a new project with the TM Forum called uh, Smart Cities Project um, that we're working with uh, folks like AT&T, Orange, Verizon, um, uh, Oracle, Huawei, IBM. So there is a tremendous amount of investment. And interest in these uh, subjects, so there 's just no doubt it's uh, it 's coming it 's here it 's coming pretty fast, but there are some still some uh, uh thing issues to be this is not business as usual so um, uh, per craig 's uh chart on the challenges, I think there 's twenty or so challenges. I, that uh, there's some real things that have to be overcome. That the industry has to come together uh, on standards and approaches. Um, there's um, some technological breakthroughs that have to make this. You know, we're talking about this vision as if it's all seamlessly interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we specialize in enterprise web. That future is, I, I think, is coming. Um, but I think more work has to be for the whole industry. Uh, to get there so yeah, so I, I don't know we're really pleased to be working uh, with a lot of the groups like the forum um, like the industrial Internet Consortium to sort of help deliver this future in a sort of standards-based open way that ensures the kind of ecosystems that both Craig and Angela have been talking about are allowed that's not just a club for the big players that it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a platform for innovation I think is a, a term that Craig used.
0: And that's what we're looking for. Angela, thank you. Angela, I want to bring up one comment here from your notes, and then we really have to start our crystal ball, and we'll see what the future is and what you all think is happening with this trend. So, Angela, you said the economic potential of the IoT will be realized when we start mixing and matching a variety of established devices and applications into a system of systems. So, Angela, would we be – we did another show about this topic, got the three of you back together. Would we, we be calling it Let's Talk About the System of Systems? How would that work?
4: Well, you know, this kind of gets to the additive and cumulative nature of, of people's ideas and, and, and where the value comes from. So, so let me just throw out an example here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could have a, a smart traffic light that could be part of the Internet of Things. Well, a smart traffic light on its own might be a, a nice thing for somebody to be able to, you know, change the pattern because the weather's changing or because a, a traffic jam is building up. But what's more interesting to people is the idea of a smart traffic system, um, something where you can have a, a set of rules and a set of analytics that looks at multiple factors that are all taking place at once. You know, d- does a camera show you that, there's a, that traffic is slowing down? Does a toll booth tell you that, you know, more than usual, um, the volume of cars is coming through the toll booth on, you know, Friday afternoon on the way down the shore, as we say here in New Jersey? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the uh, analytics that apply across all the different device types, and what are the processes that can be used to make, you know, in this case, life better, make people get down to the beach a little bit faster? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think we get into the idea of a system of systems. So it's not about one device, it's not about one decision maker, it's not about one process, but it's about getting an outcome um, that, that we all can benefit from um, through this platform of collaboration that we've talked about. Thank you very much. All well put. I have learned a lot from the three of you, but I
0: think we really want to know where is this all going, the future of everything as a service. Will telcos still be called telcos in 5, 10, 50, 100 years? I don't know. We won't be around, but let's go to our predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. Craig Bachman, I'm going to ask you up first from the TM Forum. Thank you for sharing so many good ideas. Let's see what you see. Craig, I love the year 2020. I just can never get out of my head. Barbara Walter saying 2020, all those years, Ingrained. It's 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 hard printed in my brain. It's three D printed, in a little piece of my brain. It says, "Where is she now?" Not really. Craig Bachman, look into the crystal ball, TM forum, and tell me. I'll give you sixty seconds. That's all we got. What do you see coming down the pike? How far into the future for the future of IoT? The future of everything as a service. The future of telcos. Give me your best. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I'll give you I'll give you two perspectives. One is uh, that. Uh, as Dave said, uh, the future is getting closer, and 2020 is not that far away. I think what, what I've seen, especially in the smart uh, cities and telco collaborations in this, I saw something very interesting in Los Angeles uh, two months ago, which was an opera that was staged, coordinated with the telco across the entire city as a connected opera. And what I want to point out is that mm. whether it's Gibson, Yogi, or Prince, the arts have a lot to do with how do we see the connected world here. And I think uh, telcos are plugged into this uh, the arts perspective so that's one the second perspective is that the there's going to be a whole bunch of tools here uh, as we talked about connecting the dots here monetization and who gets what money and how did people get paid and so on so IOE, IoT internet of everything everything as a service monetization is not the old fashioned business plan business as usual thing so I think you'll see a whole explosion of new tools over the Next four years for people to become digital managers.
0: Thank you, digital managers. I like that. We got to move on. Dave Dugal, sixty seconds. Talk to me. Predictions go.
3: Okay. So I, I think the the big challenge, and it's where sort I've of been. I think we've all been echoing it. Is you know, ultimate. And I, my perspective is from sort of the enablement perspective. How do we make this future? present, right? And so, uh, to me, I look at the things that need to be resolved is, how do we dynamically coordinate, you know, connect and coordinate all these distributed and uh, diverse systems things you know, et cetera, even people on devices, uh, how do we connect them for sort of collective benefit, which, again, Angela sort of re- uh, referred to in her systems a system statement. So, and some of the big challenges there, again, from sort of enabling this, and we also work with NIST. NIST has a group called the Cyber Physical Systems Group. Uh, so, cyber being, you know, the uh, sort of virtualized, uh, you know, things and systems. And, uh, you know, the... Um, and physical, uh, you know, obviously being the real world, and how those are coming together. And they spent a lot of time focusing on how security will be achieved, how this will be scalable, how, how it will be performant. So I don't think we've answered every question, um, and I think a good deal of this has to be done collectively. Uh, in other words, to ensure that that security and scalability is there for all. Uh, so, uh, but, it, but it's here. Really good minds on it. I, 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 wouldn't, I think cautious optimism is in order.
0: Okay, cautious optimism. We'll stop with that, and we want to give Angela a chance for her predictions. Angela, 60 seconds. you got to nail it. Go ahead, dear.
4: Yeah, real quick. I mean, I think the telcos are investing huge in this space, so everyone's going to start to hear about 5G. We haven't really talked about it on this program, but the fifth generation of cellular is actually upon us and there's a lot of experimentation going on today that's validating how this is going to work so you know LTE is going to start to be uh, blasé and passé (laughs) Um, and 5G is upon us and and then you know I think the operational disciplines that the telcos are good at um, are really going to start to be applied to the internet of things things like uh, managing the quality of service from end to end is going to be something that telcos are going to contribute that all of us who are in this inventive creative cycle are going to be able to leverage. Thank you very much. Very well put. Craig Bachman.
0: Dave Dugal, Angela Russell Rikika. Such a pleasure speaking with you. I learned a lot, and I know our global audience did as well. And a special shout-out to Ira Burke at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series, Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. Ira, great topic. We've been talking about telcos and the IoT, future of everything as a service, systems as systems, robots as a service, you name it, slap a sensor on it, as one of my panelists said, and you can put it into a system and somebody's going to benefit from it in the future. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for for listening. Shout out to Michael at the Business Channel for getting us on the air and keeping us there for the past hour. I'll be back. Let's see. Today is Thursday, the 11th of August, 2016. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern for a live edition of what are we talking about today? Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. And our topic is putting the social in social networking for small to mid-sized businesses. Okay, here's my call to action. Veet, veet, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. We are. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.